Awesome. Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Really? It's getting harder from here, I'm sorry. If good morning, how are you, is a hard question, things are going to get a little tricky. Wow. How are you? Cool. I'm doing really well. Because my next question is a little bit harder than how are you. Um, My next question is, what do you think, have you got the mic? What do you think, uh, is there something that you've sort of sensed God saying to you this week? This, This past week, was there something that stood out to you that you felt God wanted to share with you? This week, they're happy to share with others. Um, if it was a bit personal, then then that's fine. A little bit harder than how are you? I know. Um, so uh, big jump, but let's let's go there. Is there something that you felt God pressed on your heart? Something you read? Something that stood out that you really felt like God wanted to share with you this week? Here we go. Yep, just in a sentence or two. It doesn't have to be an essay. Something that God's been talking to me about is uncertainty is a great thing. That uncertainty allows. Um, God and so we should be like welcoming uncertainty in the world because we have certainty in our body. Cool, fantastic. Anyone else? Here we go. Uh, yeah, I just feel like God's been saying, well, challenging me this week um, to consider who is my king. Who is my king? Who is my king? Fantastic. And else brave enough to share? God's really been talking to me this week about how he takes our moments and turns them into momentum in our lives and how he's intentional with everything that he does because he wants to see the kingdom advance. Fantastic. Very good. That um, God will use anything to get his point across and that children sometimes are what he will use. Um, Yeah. Fantastic. Brilliant. Piero? I know. This is good. Um, reading back in Genesis because I'm starting all again uh, and uh, I got to the part where Sarah was told to have a child and um, I'm very focused on uh, the Virgin Mary if, if, you know, she was a virgin so the miracle there that Jesus exists but uh, it just dawned on me that it never occurred to me that without the miracle of Sarah uh, being able to bear a child that was a miracle so it's a miracle upon a miracle yeah way back in the day. So yeah, wow. Yep. That stuck. Brilliant. Fantastic. Before I head back up the front. <laughs> Just getting efficient here. That is awesome. It's so so amazing to be reminded of God talking. Um, to be reminded um, that God is um, moving and working. I, I had a really interesting week in this space. The reason I asked you is because um, this was a this was a bit of a challenging space for me this week. I um I got to Tuesday morning and uh, there was a there was a number of areas that I really wanted to see God's breakthrough in, and uh, and so I was praying about it. And I was like, okay, God, I, I think I need to be praying and fasting. And so I got to uh, I'm not 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 saying that to um to to be proud or anything, but got to Monday lunchtime, um and and any sense of pride there went away because I remembered that I'd committed myself to um. To, to um, in where I was working, uh, to have lunch with them. Someone had brought lunch in for, for, for all the staff, and I was like, oh, well, that throws that out, doesn't it? Um, okay, I'll have lunch, and, and, and we'll go from there. And then uh, Tuesday night, while uh, prayer was happening, um, 
I, I, I'd, I'd bailed on the fast part. I'd gone and found some cheese and bickies and too hungry, a um, bit grumpy, um, end of the day, no food. Well, I had had lunch, but... Um, and uh, so I was like, <laughs> this isn't really going that well. This pressing in and wanting to see breakthrough, wanting to see what God wanted in the circumstances come to fruition wasn't really happening. So I thought, oh, well, Wednesday, let's try again on Wednesday. Um, and so Wednesday was, was, was really cool. And I was able to fast Wednesday. And Wednesday afternoon, I found out I was preaching today. I'm like, awesome. I'm now in this, you know, great space. And, uh, and I've, I've, I've vowed um, never to preach without feeling like it's coming from God. I don't want man's words. I don't want just nice ideas. I want to make sure that it's actually something that God wants the body to hear. So, um, so Wednesday, nothing. Thursday, nothing. And uh, Thursday night activate group. And it was a fantastic time. And, and, and uh, Cal took us through um, John 17 and Jesus' prayer. And it was just profound and amazing and overwhelming. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome stuff, God. What do you reckon? Is this for the body? Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? Oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted, I wanted a yes. And so I got to Friday and just before I, um, I, 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 I was um, the token male at youth on Friday night. And, um, and so I got to spend time in that space. But um, just before I went there, um, Sam said to me, so how was your sermon prep, Matt? He was leading worship. I'm preaching, just making sure there's some rhythm going on here. I was like, uh, didn't really happen. Hasn't happened. Don't know where it's going. This is not really what I was expecting from my week. This is not really what I anticipated the flow of my week to be. And I got to Friday night at youth. And can I just say, our youth are amazing. And our youth leaders are amazing. Um, and the space that they had was phenomenal. Just as a complete aside, if you're not praying and pressing into the space of a male youth leader, can you please do so? That's a real area of need. Um, and it's a phenomenal space and God's doing awesome things, but they need a male youth leader or two or three. Um, I don't want to limit God, but, um, but they definitely need a male youth leader. So can you please be praying into that? But I stepped into that space and they were running an encounter night. And the aim of the evening was to hear what God wanted to say. And so here have I set myself up during the week to hear from God. And now I'm the token male at the youth group, hanging out, ticking a box. Not really, no offence youth. Um, I was there to serve. And Mel says to me, you're welcome to join in, you know. I was like, oh, I guess I could. And they had three stations set up, three spaces with three questions and some Bible verses in each. And I went over to one of the stations and it says, what do you think God's saying to you? What do you think God wants to show you? Is that right? The painting one. That was, yeah. What, I think it was what does God want to show you. And I looked at one of the Bible verses. I thought, two kings. That's pretty cool. I don't normally read two kings. I'm going to go look at that verse. And this is what I read. 
it's a it's a fairly long passage. So just this is this is better than a movie, guys. Like this is amazing stuff. But um, starting at, at two Kings six verse eight, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, "We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place." But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, "Do not go near that place." For the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans. It's not us, my my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, I tell the king, king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. So we've got this scenario set up where if, if you don't, uh, at this time, there's, there's two kingdoms. There's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, known as Israel and Judah. And the northern kingdoms are a larger kingdom. Uh, that more of the tribes were, uh, of Israel were in, in the northern kingdom. And unfortunately, the kings of the northern kingdom did not honor God. They did not love or respect God. And so God would send prophets, those that would speak his word, that would, would speak into areas of injustice and, and the law that God had established for his people. And these prophets were sent um, as, a, as a beacon into, the, into those two kingdoms. But Elijah was a prophet and he passed his mantle on to Elisha, um, one of his disciples. And Elisha now is in that space. Now the fascinating thing, Elisha and this king were sort of, had a bit of a love-hate relationship. So at some times they were close and talked to each other and other times there's a point at which the king wants to kill him. But at this point, he's actually feeding the king information about the king's enemies. He's actually telling the king where his enemy is going to be because God is telling him where his enemies are going to be. So this is the context that we're, uh, we're hearing this story from. So the, the, the king of Aram says, Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. Now, I don't know about you, but if there's someone that knows exactly where, I'm, where I am and what I'm saying and what I'm thinking, to hunt them down, I'm not sure is the wisest solution. I'd be running the other way. But anyway, his solution was to go and seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. He wasn't doing this by halves. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cries to Elisha. I suspect that's the polite version of what he said um, because the whole city is just surrounded with troops and, yeah, things aren't looking good. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. For there are more on our side than on theirs. This is really significant. 
Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. What changed in the circumstance? Nothing changed in the circumstance other than his eyes being opened. And what did he see? Sorry, I couldn't resist. (laughs) Yeah, bad joke, I know. Anyone under the age of... Well, that was written in 1981, apparently. So, um, a dad joke. Yeah, yeah. It's a song called Chariots of Fire. But um, for those that needed that explained to... Yeah, you you got it now? Cool. (laughs) The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, He saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. It gets even more interesting. As the Aramean army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria, which is where the king lives. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. It's a pretty cool story. Now, if you keep reading, things don't end so well for the northern kingdom, um, for the whole of Israel and and Judea. But, um, But at this point... There's an amazing picture and, and a, lot of, a lot of commentators talk about Elisha being a, a forerunner to Jesus. A lot of the miracles that he did demonstrated through Elisha some of the things that were coming in Jesus. A little bit of a, a foretaste, a, a prophetic example, I guess, in a way of what Jesus was doing. And you can see such a profound picture here. And as I read this on Friday night in a space where the question is, God, what do you want to show me? I was stuck with something really profound that my week lacked. And so often our perspective lacks. And that is, we look and we hope for God to do something and we forget that he is already there. We look and we hope in our circumstances for what's happening, for for the trouble before us, for the challenges before us. We're just like the servant of Elisha. We step outside the door and we go, Oh dear, this is not an ideal circumstance. We need help. But what changes is not God. If I'm going to pray and fast hoping for God to change, I've missed the point. If I'm going to seek God for a message, hoping that he gives me something new, I've missed the point. 
Because he's actually already given it. He's actually already present. He's actually already moving and working. And what needs to change is I need to see. And so we have this beautiful example of the only thing that changed in the picture was the servant saw. God then also made an amazing thing in that those that were against him, he blinded. It's a really fascinating picture and it's not the first time this happened. There's so many times that you see where spiritually, you know, the um, Pharaoh, his heart is hardened. He's not able to see what God is doing in that place. The Pharisees so often were blind to what God was doing. God seems to reveal his plans to those that obey him. He opens the eyes of those that seek after him, that hunger and thirst after his righteousness. But he is always faithful. He is consistent. His chariots of fire were already there. And this is a phenomenal picture for us as a people, for us as Jesus' followers. Elisha was an amazingly obedient man in a lot of ways and he was very diligently feeding the king information. Did that mean he didn't find himself in a tough spot? I was, I was reflecting on it. Imagine if I was in that circumstance. I'd all of a sudden go into logistics mode. Now those chariots of fire, how far are they away from these guys? And are these guys going to get to me before the chariots of fire get to me? Um, because there's only two of us and there's a whole army of them. Now if they've got arrows, they don't even have to get to me. They could probably get to me... We start messing around with a whole heap of things that aren't ours to carry. I would. But in the picture, Elisha says, we have nothing to fear. There's nothing to be afraid of in this picture. You are looking at the wrong part of the picture to the servant. And I think this is a phenomenal reminder to us of the way the kingdom operates, the way the kingdom functions, the way God is bringing about his kingdom. Because it's very easy to pay lip service to the fact that God is God and everything he does glorifies him. He is perfect. He makes right decisions. And yet we posture ourselves in a way to say, well, if this is broken, something has to change. Does it have to change? Is that saying that God is not doing what he wanted to do? Is that saying that he's powerless in this circumstance? And I've got to convince him to change his mind? No. His ways are perfect. His power is ultimate. His plans are good. The difference is we want him to show us what he's doing. We want want to see the perspective that he has. And I know in so many circumstances that's really tough. I know in so many places that we're looking for breakthrough... We, we, see it, we, we see the problem and we struggle to see the solution. But I'm arguing that the solution is looking at, to Jesus and trusting that he is enough. The beautiful picture in the rest of this story is that even those that were against Elisha ended up being blessed through, you know, the chariots of fire weren't even used. The chariots of fire were actually for Elisha and his servant. 
They weren't even needed. They were there, they were ready, they were armed, but the, what they saw was actually to encourage and remind Elisha and his servant of what God was capable of doing. And in the midst of it, he must have been a pretty cheeky guy, Elisha. He takes this whole army into Samaria, into the, the place where they are most vulnerable. And when the king says, do we slaughter them? He says, no, no, give them a banquet and send them home. Like what an amazing, complete picture of God. The almighty, all-powerful, that those that choose to serve him, he acknowledges and stands with with a full entire army of heaven. And even those that are against him, he says, have a banquet and be on your way. You've got a lesson to learn here. It's an amazing picture of God's character and nature. It's an amazing picture of our perspective. And I really want us to, to, to grasp this today because our circumstances don't need to be fixed They need to be surrendered. Our circumstances don't need to be fixed. They need to be surrendered. And all of a sudden in reading this, everything else that God had said to me that week fell into place. I realized he'd been telling me the same thing over and over again and I hadn't seen it because I was looking at the wrong part of the picture. All week I'd been looking at a fix in a bunch of areas, been looking at uh, what the fix was. What's the solution here? What's the answer here? God, I want you to bring breakthrough. I want you to fix these things. And right at the end of the prayer that we studied on, when, on Thursday night, read John 17 if you get time, just not scooting through it, but just soaking it. It is phenomenal. But right at the end, it says this, O righteous Father, the world does not know you. But I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them. Revealed. Opened their eyes. And I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them. And I will be in them. On the surface it's just a nice well-intentioned prayer. But when you look at it. In light of the experience that Elisha and his servant had, this is a profound declaration of eyes being opened and the presence of Jesus being in those that follow him. The power of the living God at work in his people. Like an army of chariots of fire. It's actually way more profound than we, we give it credit for when we think that this is Jesus' prayer for his followers. What's your perspective at the moment of stuff? What, what do you see in the picture? Because I really believe God wants us to see those chariots of fire. Symbolically. I really believe... God wants us to see that our hope is not wishful thinking. Our hope is belief and expectation in an almighty God who is present. Who is 
present. Who not may be present if we fast and pray enough. Who may be present if we spend our time doing the right things. He is present and we really want to open our eyes and see that. In our circumstance. When I see our circumstance through the lens of a present God. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know all the circumstances for everyone in this room. But I do know, Lord, that there are things that oppress. There are things that challenge. There are things that stress and cause anxiety. There are things that bring fear. And Lord, there are things that look hopeless. But Jesus, I also know your prayer. And your prayer has said that you have revealed yourself and made yourself present in us. So Lord, I pray that today, as people who love you, as people who seek to follow and serve you, I pray you would help us let go of our desire to fix and restore our sight to see. Lord, I pray you would help us see your plans and purposes, your heart and your power at work. Lord, I pray you would restore hope that is not wishful thinking, but hope that is an expectation and an awareness of an almighty God that is moving and working. Lord, I pray for each of us that you would open our eyes to see what you are doing spiritually when we can only see in the physical, Lord God. Lord, you say it's not by work, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. So we just acknowledge now your spirit's presence and ability to do something we are incapable of doing on our own. Lord, we thank you so much that you are good, that you are merciful, and that you are faithful every single day. And Lord, as you taught us to pray, Lord, we say your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. We just want to see what you're doing. That we might trust you and surrender to your will. Lord, I pray for specific circumstances as people are, are thinking of them right now, Lord. As they're thinking of those situations and circumstances that look hopeless, that look like dead-end roads with no outs, that look like the picture that Elisha's servant saw of being surrounded by an army set out after them. Lord, we pray for revelation in those circumstances right now. We pray that you would restore hope, that you would restore peace, that you would restore an excitement and an anticipation that the Lord of heaven armies is present, has not turned a blind eye, is not distant, is not apathetic. but has plans and purposes that are good. We surrender to you now in Jesus' name.